Good morning and welcome to another episode of Iconic Freedom, The Formula. We are setting the standard for accountability and responsibility in our own personal universe. Let each care for self and all will be cared for. Again, I keep telling you about Nitor. How do I know they'll work? Would you believe good housekeeping? Look, Nitor has the good housekeeping seal. Really? So you know it's safe. Just follow directions and non-habit forming. It's different from other sleeping tablets, too. Different? It dissolves faster, so it helps you get to sleep fast. And you wake up feeling good. Well, if it has that good housekeeping seal... So this week's episode, I want to talk about going into 2024. I mean, if you've been following this podcast for this last year, we've talked about the principles and basically laying the foundation of accountability, ownership of your choices, and responsibility, that ability to respond to those choices. And the reason why I called this the awakening of the new year ahead is because I want to discuss the idea of that cognitive dissonance that happens with a lot of people. Um, Happened with myself, you know, until I, you know, kind of found my own epiphany. The reason why I showed that clip is uh, I thought it was kind of funny. I saw it over the holiday. And what was interesting to me about it was the credulity of, you know, basically marketing back then that this woman and, you know, the daughter, I'm assuming, that they were willing to take an outside source of the good housekeeping seal and decide that that was the reason why they were going to take that medication. But what I want to apply that to, I want to cross-apply that idea to this understanding of how we do this all the time in our world that we incredulously, we just accept things that other people are saying. And you're going to see in some clips today, and especially the final clip um, that talks about, you know, um, some of the shenanigans that was going on with the election, um, how this actually plays a part in your everyday life. That you accept what other people are saying without any question of it. You know, uh, oh, well, you know, everybody knows this. It's common sense. You know, those kinds of statements are ways to basically quell conversation, to quell argument, to get people to be silent and to try to shame people into basically shutting up. So today I want to present the idea of how we can move from having uh, credulousness about things that come our way and that cognitive dissonance. Because what happens is when we start to have an epiphany and we start to realize that we've been lied to, there is this kind of, there's this thing that goes on in our brain where we just don't want to believe it. 
you know, we just, you know, uh, to the person who has been, you know, so-called cheated on or the person who believed something only to find out that it wasn't true. Um, Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny, for some people it's their religion, and the list goes on and on. But when you think about this, they teach a person to not own the responsibility of their choice to go and look something up. What happens, and you heard me talk about this in, you know, I believe, I think, I know. And the only way that you know something is if you actually went and looked it up or you had a personal experience for yourself that you can relate to that you understand for yourself. You're not outsourcing the information to someone else. Now, I get it. There is a lot coming at us all the time. There really is. And so, you know, you have to kind of manage all of those things. However, on the important things in your world, whatever that is, and I don't know what that is, only you do. But one of the things is, is that if you were lied to, slowly occurrences that happen to you have to come into question. And once that kind of the dam breaks, then everything becomes questionable for you. And this is what happened to me in my own journey of to be where I am right now, is that I started to have that understanding of what accountability was that I needed to own all of my choices. And then from then, I needed to make sure that I was able to respond to all of those choices. And when I started to realize all of the sham and the scam that society had thrust towards me, maybe unsuspectingly or, you know, maybe uh, intentionally, I decided to break it all down. I decided to question everything. And when you think about it, that really is what people are doing when they have this epiphany, when they have this awakening, when they start to realize that all of these things that they've been told were lies. And you see it all the time where, you know, the media has lied to us. Government politicians have lied to us. Maybe there are people in your personal life that have lied to you. And what happens when you find out that they've lied? You go through this emotional process of where, yes, you're angry, but the anger needs to be directed at self, right? Because you trusted them. You decided to deceive yourself, to delude yourself by ignoring what was actually happening, by ignoring what they were doing and paying attention. You've heard me say before, what you're doing is so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. And through that power of observation, it is such a powerful tool, you will see what is going on. If somebody provides you information through the media or some politician or some doctor or nurse, then it's up to you to go and investigate and find out, is this a belief? Is this a thought? You think something? Or do you actually know the information? Because I can tell you, when we just start accepting things all the time, we're no longer paying attention to what? Our own internal authority. We're basically looking outside of ourselves for everything that 
belongs to us to which we are accountable. The greatest thing that we're going to teach ourselves is that we need to own the responsibility of choice and that we need to bring information to ourselves, to our own world, and then we need to surrender to the reality. And when I say surrender to the reality, that means to no longer be emotionally attached to it, not to be attached to an outcome, but to be looking at it for what it is. When we get attached to outcomes, we want to control things, we want to control people, you know, we start to say things like, well, I wanted this person to do such and such, or I was hoping it was going to turn out this way, so I did, you know, I I told this person this, that, and the other thing. Well, these are manipulations. If you just speak to the reality of what your desire is, what you want to do, and then let the chips fall where they may. But when we get attached to an outcome, then we start to delude ourselves, then we start to get emotional, then, you know, the cycle just continues, and then we wind up in a place where we've lied to ourselves, and perhaps other people have lied to us, and we have to have that awakening where we realize, okay, this belongs to me, I need to figure this out. So I will say this, is that in in this reality, in this awakening, most people do not want to live a life of anger. You see a lot of people that are out there that are like this, and I could tell you that it is our nature to be harmonious, to be in harmony with nature, and to be in harmony with our friends and our family and our relationships. And when you do the micro and you expand out to the macro, of course you would want to apply that to, you know, cities and townships and countries and states and, and, and those kinds of things. And to understand that when people are playing these games and they're trying to gin up, you know, anger and suddenly everything's outraged and everybody should be upset and this is unacceptable and... It's like, well, is it really that or is it just you using marketing techniques in order to try to manipulate and control me? How are you going to find it out? You have to take ownership of researching whatever that project is. Now, one of the things that I want to bring up is, because I think this is such a great example, is recently the Twitter files and uh, how I found fascinating the interview that uh, Kyle Serafin did with my Matt Taibbi and Matt Taibbi was basically challenged with the idea him and a couple of other people with going in and and basically mining through the data to find out what was the reality not what we wanted it to be but what was the reality So we're talking to Matt Taibbi, who was one of the original journalists to break open the story of the Twitter files. And I want to get into that right now because we're talking about the analogs between the Soviet Union. We're talking about what we're seeing in America. It's not nearly as formalized a relationship. Maybe you can kind of talk about what you guys started seeing as you peel back the curtain there. Yeah. So when we went into the Twitter files, we were thinking maybe we might find like a couple of letters about something like the Hunter Biden laptop story from some organization like the FBI. We actually didn't find anything about that story, which was direct. But then we started to see 
emails that said things like flagged by FBI, flagged by DHS, flagged by HHS, flagged by Treasury. Um, and they were, they were all about, um, this was all during the period running up to the election. And we started to find, you know, hundreds of these emails. Sometimes they would be attached to Excel spreadsheets that had thousands or hundreds or thousands of account names on them. And they would come with a sort of form letter, uh, you know, piece of text on them that would say, we think that these accounts may violate your terms of service. You may at your own discretion choose to take action. Uh, and we subsequently found out that there was a regular system of meetings between all the biggest tech companies and the FBI, DHS, the Office of Director of National Intelligence, and a formalized system of funneling these flag notices. They had a whole bureaucracy of content flagging that we discovered. It took us about three or four weeks to figure it out, but it was all there. It was mind-blowing. The other question I have. One of the things that I really like about that is how Taibi says that when we went in looking for this stuff and we were kind of, you know, going through all the data and then it just blew our minds of what we actually found. One of the hardest things to accept is the fact that you were lied to. Slowly occurrences happened that you had to question and then once a person gets, oh my gosh, I was lied to, suddenly this dam breaks and now everything becomes questionable. And a lot of times, you know, you'll see politicians that will be out there and they'll be very repetitive, but the repetition is out there in order to help the conscious mind basically to assimilate and, in, and to integrate certain things. If you wait for the reality to show, let reality be your best friend. And if you will allow it, it will show itself. Uh, one of my friends said, you know, that he kind of adopted this perspective of just wait. Something happens, just wait. Because you don't know how quickly whatever the situation is may resolve all on its own. But when people want to control and manipulate things, then they want to jump in and they want to start saying and doing when all they had to do was step back and wait. And I've taught this to my team. I've taught it to other people that I've worked with. I, I learn it myself all the time. Just wait. And suddenly within 10 minutes or a short period of time, things start to resolve was that they went in looking for the Hunter Biden laptop story. And what they found was something even crazier. I likened it to uh, if imagine if you were digging and you were looking for fossils and you, and you suddenly found like a little hole that just dropped down. They actually have a place like that called the Inner Space Cavern in uh, in Central Texas. And apparently what these guys were doing is they were digging and excavating to find um, places to put the pylons for I-35. I believe it was for I-35, the, the uh, interstate. And as they were digging down, they just opened up this hole that just seemed to just drop like precipitously down 20, 30 feet into the ground. And it was this open, huge cavern. And when they went and started excavating it, they found all kinds of wild stuff in there. There was like a saber-toothed tiger that had fallen in there. And I think they had like a woolly mammoth or a mastodon type thing. They had all these animals that had fallen into like what had been basically a sinkhole and that had been kind of built up around. And that bubble had either flooded and managed to keep 
that cavern still, but it, it's this massive like walk in and it's just this, this cath uh, cathedral type ceiling. And that's what they found. They basically were looking for like one relic of what might've happened. And when they got into it, they found this huge cavern and the cavern was government censorship and coming after us and the slanting of the narratives. And the thing that I found also very interesting, which many of you guys already know this stuff, but it's worth hearing it from somebody who saw the machinations. They were artificially tweaking, you know, boosting certain signals and de-boosting other signals. Now, if you're aware of that in real time, it doesn't do anything to you. You go, oh, that's bullshit. I'm going to go find the real thing. But what they were doing is doing it in such a way that as they did it, a lot of people's opinions about reality shifted because they were actually trusting that these were done in good. Now, what Kyle does is he speaks directly to the idea that people just with a lot of credulity just accepted certain things and what they didn't realize they were accepting was they were accepting a reality that was not a reality. Now, they wouldn't have done that, right? If they'd had a level of accountability where they did their own research, where they didn't just listen to something, they actually said, okay, okay, that sounds a little far-fetched, right? But how many times has your government lied to you? The Pentagon Papers, Vietnam, Monica and Bill Clinton, Watergate, I mean, do we just keep going on and on with the list? All the things that they told you about, you know, some shot you were supposed to take and all this other shenanigans. So that leads me to say, wait, look into something, know it for yourself. Don't just believe or think know something and how you know it is by doing your own research and then asking yourself, did I delude myself and avoid accountability because I didn't want to manage the situation? What was that? What was that sort of um, emotional feeling? Because you go in expecting maybe we'll find something and you didn't find something. It's like uh, it's like someone digging into a little uh, piece of of dirt and then opening up a hole and underneath it is like a, is a cavern. You had an entire sort of apparatus that was available and it was all available to you. What, what was that sensation, that emotion like? It's it's amazing. You know, as a journalist, if you work 30 years or 35 years, you might once or twice in your career get a real rush of like, wow, I'm really onto something. In this case, there was no question. I mean, I, the only thing I can compare it to is, is a scene in a movie which was, uh, you know, from all the president's men when Bob Woodward was at the arraignment for the Watergate burglars and he, he hears the last uh, of the burglars um, when asked, well, his employment history say Central Intelligence Agency and he realizes like his brain does all the math in a second and he realizes, oh my God, like this is a huge story. That's what kind of what happened to us in like the third or fourth day of this we started to realize that these were not anomalous uh, communications. We started to find letters where Twitter employees were talking, were sort of joking about how the FBI and DHS were their partners. Um, and yeah, at that point, we didn't know what to do because we we didn't know um, how to characterize what we were looking at. It, there was again, there was no analog to this kind of story, but. Certainly, it was an adrenaline rush, and in, in some ways, we're all still on it, I think. The one piece I want to take out of that is when he was talking about, you know, they were on an adrenaline rush, they were having an emotion about this, 
And theirs was more probably of something investigative. But at the same time, it was also, wow, we've been lied to. And can you imagine the lies that they've told the American people and the impact that this is going to have? And you've seen that, right? You've seen it firsthand when, you know, all of a sudden the food pyramid is a lie. When you find out that, you know, there were certain lobbyists who were paying attention and who were buying people off in order to, you know, promote their product instead of other products so that, you know, we can come back around and say how, you know, meat or butter or eggs or bacon are bad for you. And then we find out in an investigation that, Somebody got paid off in order to say those things. Well, that's a lie. Well, I had a really odd incident when, uh, you know, I testified uh, before Jim, jo- uh, Jim Jordan's Weaponization of Government Committee. And while I was testifying, the IRS actually visited my house. Uh, they was, was that concurrent? I, I thought it was the day after. It was the same day that you were doing it? It was while I was testifying. Yeah, I'm sure that was an accident, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what are the chances of that? But I thought it act—I I thought it was too ridiculous to be, you know, related. And I, I, I told the committee only because I thought it would be irresponsible not to. Like, it's potential witness intimidation. I, I had to let them know. I didn't say anything until we got information back from the Treasury about what that was about, and they had opened the case um, on Christmas Eve of uh, 2022, which was a Saturday and the day that we dropped probably the scariest Twitter file story, which was about the FBI, DHS, even the CIA uh, being involved in this content flogging operation. So that made me nervous. I mean, for the first time, Uh, some of the, uh, you know, I think there have been some hints behind the scenes. Maybe Elon uh, heard some things that you know, from people in the government or, you know, connected to government about displeasure that they were having with these reports. So, yeah, we all were a little bit nervous. Also, by the way, we discovered that (laughs) the former general counsel of the FBI vetted the first Twitter files without our knowledge. So um, he was still working at Twitter at the time, Jim Baker. So that was odd. But, you know, again, none of us had any experience with this kind of situation. So we we don't know really what went on behind the scenes. Again, I want to draw your attention to the dissonance that is happening uh, for this particular individual. And I mean, let's face it, information is powerful to people. And people that control information feel powerful because they're able to control and manipulate massive groups of people. So this is an issue, right? <laughs> so going into 2024, we want to make sure that we're not being incredulous, that we're, you know, doing our due diligence and we are uh, investigating things and we're looking into things and we're paying attention because it's going to get wild, folks. You know, there's an election coming up and there's all kinds of shenanigans and tomfoolery happening and it is going to get wild, but it's going to be our responsibility and accountability as individuals to do our own research, to do our due diligence, and to find out what is the reality. Step back. Don't just take a headline and think that that is the reality. Dig deep into it, and you will find out what that reality is.
This is what they do not want you to know about Donald Trump and January 6th. The committee cut the part of my speech out where I encourage protesters to make their voices heard peacefully and patriotically, but nobody ever says that. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. They claimed I did not respond for 187 minutes when in fact I issued a statement urging peace and respect for law enforcement within 25 minutes of the Capitol Bridge and another statement 30 minutes after that. The real story is what the unselect committee did not mention in their fake trial. Days before the protest, I urged the deployment of 10,000 to 20,000 National Guard troops to keep the event safe for all involved. We wanted security, we wanted safety. There was no insurrection and there wasn't going to be an insurrection. It was made up by these sick people. Nancy Pelosi and the D.C. mayor refused. If they'd listened to me, my recommendation, none of this would have happened. They covered up multiple tweets and they covered up a video which were censored by Twitter and the FBI in which I called for law and order and for no violence. Now, if this is the first time that you are hearing of this information or you are observing the videos that were played in the clips and how they were placed in here just to give you this information, I encourage you to go do your own due diligence. Research it. Find out for yourself. Know before you make choices in your life not just about this, but about everything. Know something about people that you're dating, people that are in your family, your friends, your boss, a new job. Know these things before you go down that road. You'll save yourself um, a lot of time and energy and probably some resources along the way. And your life will become more efficient because you're paying attention. You're taking accountability and responsibility for your life. You're having an awakening. And we are at the end of another podcast. Hey, thank you so much for joining me this weekend and for joining me this year, 2023. And going into 2024, I hope you have an amazing and prosperous new year and year ahead, as it turns out to be. Hey, hit that like button if you would and share this with your family and friends. You never know how it might help them. And I will see you here next week on Sunday for the podcast in 2024.